pregnant with PCOS is the number one question that I get asked. And in this episode, I will do my best to answer that question for you. You're listening to the PCOS Repair Podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of PCOS and how to repair the imbalances in your hormones naturally with a little medical help sprinkled in. Hi, I'm Ashleen Korchak, and with many years of medical and personal experience with polycystic ovarian syndrome, it is my joy to watch women reverse their PCOS as they learn to nourish their body in a whole new way. With the power of our beliefs, our mindset, and our environment, and the understanding of our genetics, we can heal at the root cause. Welcome back to the PCOS Repair Podcast, where we're going to be talking about getting pregnant naturally with PCOS. This is the number one question that I get asked, and I'm going to do my best to answer. It makes sense. That this is a very common question because PCOS is the number one cause of female infertility, but the good news is that it is also one of the most treatable causes of infertility. During this episode, I want to focus on the practical actions that you can take to improve your chances of getting pregnant. So I'm going to try to keep the medical info brief and simplified so that I don't go off on tangents today. But before we can really dive in, it is important to understand how PCOS is affecting our fertility. There are three main ways that it is keeping us from bringing home a healthy, happy baby. The first is that it messes with ovulation. We think about our period as the main event of our monthly cycle, but the truth is the main event is ovulation. Our body's entire focus on the rise and fall of hormones is to prepare an egg, to mature it, to release it to hopefully get pregnant. And if it doesn't happen that month, then it signals our body to release the endometrial lining, have a period, and then prepare for another chance the next month. The problem with um, PCOS is that we have an imbalance in hormones that doesn't lead to the maturing of an egg. We may halfway mature a follicle. And that's where sometimes we will see a bunch of cysts looking halfway matured follicles on ultrasound on our ovaries but we don't mature that egg fully. We don't achieve ovulation and we are not able to get pregnant. So clearly the first step is that we need to make sure that ovulation happens and that we know when it happens. The second way that PCOS affects our fertility is that it is not uncommon to have low progesterone. Low progesterone can have many problems. One of them being that it can make it very likely or high risk of an early pregnancy miscarriage. At some point, usually around 12 weeks of pregnancy, the placenta is fully formed and takes carrying the baby. But in the beginning, our endometrial lining carries that role. And if our progesterone is too low, it can't sustain a pregnancy and the risk of miscarriage is higher. And the third way that PCOS can affect our fertility and chances of carrying a healthy baby to term is it carries risks during pregnancy. So higher risk of pregnancy-induced hypertension to name one, preeclampsia, or gestational diabetes are three really common ones that we see with PCOS. They are not only seen with PCOS, but we definitely have an increased risk of those if we're not caring for our health throughout pregnancy. So the typical series of events that occurs is we're not able to get pregnant. We seek medical attention to figure out why we receive a diagnosis of PCOS, some sort of variant of this, of this scenario, and we're then offered infertility treatments. Now, I want to say loud and clear that infertility treatments are amazing. I have always been completely 
odd when I was in school. It was some of my favorite things to learn about the fact that we are able to assist in reproduction and do so much to combat infertility is incredible. The issue is, is that when we look at the three ways that PCOS affects fertility, our cycles and ovulation, low progesterone, and maintaining our health throughout pregnancy to reduce risk of other complications, it's important to realize that medical treatments don't address all three of these very well. The other thing that I see happen a lot is that we have to look at what toll, what side effects are infertility treatments having on our bodies? Just going through all of the testing and the side effects of medication or the stressfulness, scariness, unsurety, anxiety, and hope letdown of all the fertility treatments, that takes a huge toll on our physical and mental and emotional health all of which, when we look at the root causes of PCOS, create more chaos in our bodies on top of the fact that the medications do mess with our hormones. While I think that medical treatment is extremely valuable and can be very helpful for women with PCOS, it may not be the first place you want to start when we understand what the diagnosis is. So in an ideal world, we would know we have PCOS. And as we approached wanting to start trying to have a baby, we could really set aside some time to invest in our health and get it to where we can. That's going to be different for every person. We have different barriers standing in our way. We have different scenarios. We have different other health issues. There's not a one size fits all here, but any amount of really caring for and nurturing those root causes of PCOS, which we talk about more in episode three. So I will link to that in the show notes below, as well as just getting ourselves mentally geared up for potentially needing to have an infertility treatment. For me, I found it extremely helpful to kind of know what my next step would be if this didn't work, because it kind of gave me this peace of mind, or I didn't feel like like all my eggs were in one basket. Like I didn't have all of my hope riding on one thing so that I could step back and take a deep breath. So to say, I never had to get to the point of actually following through with infertility treatments. And I'll share a little bit more about that in a moment, but it's important to realize that infertility treatments, although wonderful are not benign. They definitely have a strong impact on our body, our physical body, our emotional body. And that is the next step that the medical community has to offer us. It's also important to realize that it's your choice when you are ready for it. And I found it hugely supportive and hugely relieving of my anxiety to know that that option was there when I was ready for it. And I also know that when you are ready to have a baby, you want it, like you want to find out you're pregnant yesterday. And so when someone offers you some medical treatment, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, sign me up for that because I want this to happen now. And I just want to offer a full look at everything. Medical treatments are amazing. They can work very well. They don't have as high of percentage of success as I would like. I remember when I was looking at that for myself, I remember thinking, oh man, like still not that great. Now, most people repeat them a couple of times and that's where overall they find success. They're also not cheap. Some insurance plans cover them. Some insurance plans cover a certain amount of them per year, but there's definitely a lot of -of out-of-pocket expenses there. And 
Again, a lot of expense on the toll of our body. So that brings us to the actual topic of today's episode. And that is, what do we do to boost fertility naturally? So the best thing that happened to me during my journey to get pregnant with PCOS was that there was a four month wait to see the infertility specialist. Similar to like I mentioned above and similar to how I hear so many women discuss their beginning of trying to get some assistance with trying to get pregnant. I was given the diagnosis by my GYN physician and they referred me to an infertility specialist to kind of go through more extensive treatments. I was at a university hospital and so everybody is very subspecialized. And so some GYNs will get started with some infertility treatments. Some family medicine doctors will get started. There isn't necessarily one doctor that you go to for this. Depends on really what your doctor's experience with it is. But I was referred to an infertility specialist. When I called to make an appointment, I was told the soonest appointment was four months away, which of course was devastating news because when we want a baby, we want it now. But during this time, I felt really stuck here. I had been given this diagnosis and I had this weight and I'm like, well, what do I do? Like, I was just told I'm not going to get pregnant without the infertility center's assistance. And so what do I do? I'm like, well, I can't do anything right now. And it gave me this forced break. If you will, it wasn't like I was going to stop trying to get pregnant, but I had all of my hope of getting pregnant on my own had been taken away by my gynecologist. And now I was left with this four months of empty space trying to distract myself. And so I was like, you know what? This is going to be hard and scary as I read more and more. And I read, this is no guarantee, you know, this is, it's still a fairly low percentage of people that get pregnant with each round of any sort of infertility treatment. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be stressful for my husband and I, we both have very busy careers. So taking off the time for infertility treatment will be stressful, figuring out the finances and insurance covering or not covering of this is going to be stressful. And the treatments are going to be hard on my body. They come with side effects. And so there was a lot of things that felt daunting and made me nervous. I mean, I I wanted to be a mom and so I was willing to forge ahead, but definitely was nervous about what was ahead, what this would look like. And I knew that once we got started, even if, you know, you start with a couple of blood tests and a prescription of some pills, if that doesn't work, it doesn't end there. And you get more and more invested in this process. And at what point do you have to make some hard decisions? And so I knew that going into this, I wanted to be both physically and emotionally as strong as I could be. I wanted my emotional and physical health to be at its height. And so while I sat there feeling like I couldn't do anything for four months, I put my focus on finding mental and emotional calm around the situation, clarity of what my next step would be and my next step and how I was going to just focus on the step ahead as in these four months of wait, my focus was to eat food that was going to prepare my body to be ready for what was coming that my physical movement would assist my body to be strong and to feel good and to have the energy that it needed, that my mind wasn't going to just run the hamster wheel over and over and over of all the what ifs and the anxieties and the fears and the, and the anger at times of why am I having to go through this instead of putting the thoughts that I wanted to think in front of myself so that my focus was on, I'm growing in health. I'm growing in confidence in my body. I am caring for this body so that it is creating a space for this baby that we want. And I don't know what path lies ahead at this point. These are the thoughts that I'm putting in my mind and, and saying over and over throughout the day. And as you begin to do that for yourself, you begin to believe it. And I'm not just doing the thoughts. I'm also doing the actions. And when you combine all of that, 
it was powerful. And I have seen this in my journey where it went, you know, really exactly how I wanted it, where I never had to start fertility treatments. I found out literally the night before I took a pregnancy test, my appointment to start letrozole was the next day. And I found out that I was pregnant. And so I was able to not have to go through all the fertility treatments, but I've also worked with women who are either currently going through fertility treatments or who have been through fertility treatments and are planning to start them back up again, or are spending some time preparing their body and then go on to do fertility treatments. And the big difference here is that when we prepare our bodies, when we have these mindsets, when we're taking the actions, we set ourselves up for a a higher statistical chance of getting pregnant for sure. But we also set ourselves up to maintain a different level of peace, comfort, and in a sense, enjoyment of the process. You know, we each have our own story of how our children are born. We all have our own story of how we get around to actually deciding to start a family and how that family comes into being. And this is your story. And ideally it can be as pleasant as possible. And a lot of that comes down to the thoughts that we feed ourselves and then the actions that we take. And there's no one size fits all with this. It has to be what resonates with you, what feels in your heart, in your gut, what feels like the next right step for you. And so, and again, that's where the PCOS repair podcast comes in. It's not about choosing only medical or only natural, or even always just knowing the right steps because there aren't right steps. It's about listening to your body, your body's symptoms, your physical symptoms, your body's emotional symptoms. Like what are you up for? Sometimes we're not capable at this moment of going through infertility treatments for whatever reason, whether it's financial or emotional or um, time-wise because of what's happening in our careers. But having all of these pieces, we can take the steps that we can in this moment and we can stop feeling as stuck and as helpless. Okay. So I digress a little bit because that four month shift of what happened in my mind and in my heart, while I actually took the physical actions was huge for me. And the reason I say it was the greatest gift, because not only did it lead to becoming a mom, but it was one of the best things that could have happened to me because it grew my confidence in my ability to have better health. And it allowed me to experience a level of better health that I hadn't before so that I knew that that was possible for me and how amazing I feel. And yes, it takes some work to maintain and to get back there and things after pregnancy, but to just have an experience that was life-changing. And it's something that I have fallen back on many times to invest in myself and value my health and be able to enjoy life at a different level. And so it was a huge gift that went way beyond my three kids who are definitely three little blessings, but also a look into what the infertility journey could have looked like if I had not become pregnant. I had been to the fertility specialist. He had run all the tests that he wanted. He had actually confirmed on ultrasound that I was ovulating um, at my first appointment with him. So he had said, you know what, fingers crossed, I'm going to schedule you back and go over your blood work and we'll start letrozole at that point, or I'll give you the prescription and we'll you know, start at the beginning of your cycle. But he's like, but you are ovulating and that is a good sign. And that was at the end of the four months. And so I had not been ovulating when I saw my gynecologist and here four months later, he confirmed on ultrasound that I was indeed ovulating. 
And then um, two weeks later, prior to going into my appointment to start uh, Latrozole, I found out that I was indeed pregnant by a home pregnancy test. But if I had not become pregnant, the next step would have been to start Latrozole. And if I had not had a period, because my periods had been very irregular prior to the four months that I spent on my health, I would have possibly been giving Provera. Provera has some medical necessity for some people because Provera can definitely be important if your uterine lining is getting too thick. There's some long-term risks of that. And, and it can be really helpful because you do need to kind of have a start of things to start some of these infertility treatments. But Provera in and of itself, it's one more way that we kind of don't honor our body's natural rhythm or honor the fact that our body is currently out of rhythm. And in some ways it helps us to maybe, you know, I think in the medical community's mind, it helps us to maybe create a starting spot. Like maybe it's like a jump start to getting back. And for some women that does work. For some women though, it's just one more way of creating chaos in our cycle. And so again, this is not a cookie cutter approach. It's not the same for each person. And so it's really about choosing what you feel most comfortable with. Sorry, I'm not giving you straightforward answers of this is the way to do it, but it's important to really look at all of these choices and not just blindly plow ahead and follow what others have done, but to look at what feels best to you. So I would have possibly taken Provera, would have started on Letrozole. It would have had side effects. Perhaps it would have worked. If it hadn't, then I would have been moving on to IUI. If IUI hadn't worked, I'd be moving on to IVF. And again, any woman who has had to deal with any level of those infertility treatments will tell you it takes an emotional toll. It takes a financial toll. It can be hard on a marriage. And if we can avoid it, amazing. If we can't, I'm so glad it's there. So the best advice that I have for women who ask the question, what can I do to get pregnant when I have PCOS is start with a deep breath. Think about given the situation, what feels best to you? My recommendation would be to take a few months to invest in your health. I'm not going to go into all the steps there. You can listen to episodes three and four. They go over more of the root causes of PCOS and how to approach them, but to take that time to invest in your health. And then as your health begins to improve, you may see that your period returns, the ovulation returns. Maybe that's enough by itself. Fingers crossed, right? If it's not, your body is in a better place. If you've been doing the mind work and the emotional work alongside the physical work, then you're in a better place to take on infertility treatments. If you are already in the midst of infertility treatments and feel like they're not working, I can't tell you how many women I've talked to who are in the midst of it. And they just feel like, I feel like my body is worse off than it was. And that's not to say that infertility treatments were bad, not, not at all, but it does take a toll on us. And so sometimes you know, finish maybe the phase that you're in, maybe talk to your doctors definitely. Cause they may say like, look, there's really no harm in taking a break right now. Or actually, I really think this next thing you're all set up, let's go ahead and just do this and then take a break. But if you're feeling worn out by the infertility process, there's no harm in stepping back and taking a break, you know, take a look at, you know, what your insurance situation and all of those things would be. There's going to be some outside factors that also help us decide what the next step would be, but there's no harm in taking a hiatus and just saying, look, I'm going to give my body three to four months to just recalibrate, to let go of some of this stress, to not have to deal with some of the side effects and to really focus on my health, on nourishing through food and through movement and through um, some self-care. And I'm going to see where that takes me. And if needed, I will come back to the infertility treatments because this is my dream, but you know, fingers crossed it happens without needing that again. 
And so these are all ways that I find really help women to create their own story and follow their own journey to PCOS improved fertility, to getting pregnant, to sustaining a healthy pregnancy, and to ultimately meeting their first baby or their second baby, wherever they're at third baby, wherever they're at in their family. But the bottom line is realizing there are many approaches to stay in touch with the bigger picture. I know that our emotional side gets carried away with, I want this baby now. I want this baby now. Maybe it's your second or third baby and you don't want it to be so much younger than its siblings. There's all these things that make us frantic to get a baby right now, but to just take a step back, to take that deep breath and to look at all of your options and which one really feels better. Because at the end of the day, what where you'll find peace, which finding peace helps our fertility. It's not about relaxing or not stressing. It's about truly finding a inner calm with the choices that you're making. It doesn't just make the journey more enjoyable. It, it really does actually help our hormones. It helps our body feel like it can do this, like it's safe to do this because it's being cared for. It's, it's environmental bubble that you're creating for your body. It has the ability to do bigger things. And so with that, we'll close for today. And my hope for you is that this episode helps you to find the clarity of how your journey to getting pregnant will go. And if you have any follow-up questions, I would love to connect with you over on Instagram, send me a DM. I am always happy to answer more questions in my Instagram stories or to answer questions about this specific topic or point you towards other episodes that fill in some of the gaps. Because the point of this episode was really more to lay a path forward of what it looks like to navigate all of the options and decisions that we face when we were trying to get pregnant with PCOS and to find calm instead of concern and anxiety and, and to rekindle the hope that this can happen. There is a statistic, and I would have to find the journal article of this, but there's a statistic that most women, and I forget the exact number, but it was in the 90%, okay? Most women with PCOS do eventually have a baby. So on that hopeful note, I will say goodbye for today. Did you know that studies of PCOS epigenetics have shown that our environment can either worsen or completely reverse our PCOS symptoms. I believe that although PCOS makes us sensitive to our environment, it also makes us powerful. When we learn what our body needs and commit to providing those needs, not only do we gain back our health, but we grow in power just by showing up for ourselves. This is why I've created a guide for you to get started. My PCOS fertility meal guide can be found in the show notes below. I want to show you how to create an environment that promotes healing while still being able to live a life that you enjoy. This guide is completely free, so go get your copy now so that you can step into the vision that you have for your life and for your health.